We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Welcome to the Rotowire NBA podcast, sponsored as always by DraftKings.com. It is Wednesday, March 14th. Nick Whalen here with James Anderson. We're recording a day early. Um, obviously, the NCAA tournament begins tomorrow. We both happen to be off tomorrow. And frankly, we didn't want to come in and record a pod because there's a lot of basketball to watch uh, and certainly a lot of NBA prospects to keep an eye on in the tournament. Before we get into that and get into our All-NBA predictions uh it is officially march madness so you know what that means it's time to lay the smackdown on your opponents james in your ncaa bracket pool and that is why we are excited to introduce our brand new partner teamrankings.com bracket picks from team rankings use cutting edge analytics to give you the best chance to win your pool since 2004 team rankings customers have won ncaa bracket pools up to 10 times as often as expected so this year stop agonizing over your picks and get the bracket pool pros in your corner. Go to teamrankings.com slash rotowire to learn more and get some special discounts. Again, that's teamrankings.com slash rotowire. Like I said at the top, we're also brought to you by draftkings.com. If you've listened to this pod really at all over the past few months, you've probably heard of DraftKings. Uh, we still have that same offer, free six-month subscription to Rotowire for new DraftKings users. If you would like to take advantage of that offer, all you have to do is create a DraftKings account, make your first deposit, has to be at least $10. That'll get you a free six-month Rotowire membership that's all-inclusive, and you'll also get a free $3 ticket to a DFS contest deposited directly into your DraftKings account. Visit DraftKings.com slash Rotowire-2018 to sign up and claim your free subscription today. All right, now that we got that out of the way, NCAA tournament, I guess, officially began last night. Um, personally, I'm not a fan of the, I guess it's still relatively new, the the way that they do the first four I on Tuesday that. and Wednesday. I liked it when there was just one play-in game. That felt like it meant a little more to be I, the number one I don't overall even seed. like. I don't even like the 
any, I, I liked it when it was just a straight 64. Well, but there was always the one play in to see who would play the number one overall. Seed. Oh, okay. Okay. And that was fine. That I liked, like that would have been, I've always ignored the playing game. So that's right. I have, I really have a hard time getting psyched up to watch St. Bonaventure play a horrible UCLA team. I think we got what Arizona state and Syracuse tonight. Like these are, these are not compelling matchups whatsoever. Uh, and I kind of feel bad. Not, I don't feel bad for the power conference teams that are in these games, but I do feel kind of bad for the 16 seeds that make the tournament. And then there's a 50, 50 chance essentially that you don't really get to play in the tournament and you just basically fly to Dayton, Ohio, and then fly back the next day. That's what happened to LIU Brooklyn. That's what's going to happen to some other 16 seed tonight. Um, we won't spend too much time on the tournament. I'm sure we'll get into that next week, but we do have a fairly unique situation in that outside of a certain Slovenian, uh, guard, is he a guard? Uh, just an athlete. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think he's a, he's a point guard in a shooting in a, a bad small boy. forwards body. Yeah. Yeah. Outside of a certain 19 year old Slovenian bad boy, pretty much <laughs> every other lottery and even into the mid first round prospect is going to be playing in the tournament. Like the one guy who came in questionable was Trey young, obviously Oklahoma got in, uh, but we're going to have a chance to see pretty much every big time player whose name you're going to hear in the top 10, you know, come late June uh, at least through this first weekend. I'm most excited to see Mo Bamba. He's been banged up. He was banged up during the Big 12 tournament, hasn't played 20-plus minutes in a couple of weeks. He says he's healthy. Uh, but I think the guy most people are going to keep an eye on, outside of DeAndre Ayton, who, as I wrote for the site the other day, DeAndre Ayton could go scoreless, and Arizona could lose in the first round, and he would still go in the top three. Um, but someone like Michael Porter... I've seen him still as high as two or three. I've seen him as low as seven and seven or eight on some mocks. And I think he's the one guy of these elite prospects who could probably most benefit from, you know, maybe making it to the second weekend or at least playing better than he did in, in the one game he, he showed up for in the SEC tournament. Yeah, I, I, I think Porter's kind of the obvious one where he could really be the talk of things if they even just win their first game and just get to to face uh Xavier in the second round I mean that that would be be great for him I also think Jaron Jackson and guys like Wendell Carter and Trey Young can possibly make some waves I know that we think of Jaron Jackson as a easy top five pick I don't think everyone is there yet on him and if he you know I'm looking forward to that Michigan State Duke game probably more than any game that we're projected to get in the entire tournament just because I want to see Jackson versus Bagley. Mm-hmm. And I want to see, like, Wendell Carter, I've been sort of slower to come around on, but, you know, what if what if those teams play and it's not clear who the third worst prospect is out of those three guys? Like, I could, I could definitely see Bagley, Carter, Jackson being kind of a eye of the beholder type of situation mm-hmm. in that game and really just excited to, to see how that one unfolds and Trey young obviously is a guy that I I expect they're going to get bounced by Rhode Island. But Mm -hmm. if he somehow heats up and carries them to to the sweet 16, that would be probably the story of the tournament. I think Trey young, like if they just win one game and, or they don't even have to win, I guess if he just plays relatively well, I wouldn't say he can entirely shift the narrative, but he could at least leave a more positive impression you know, on NBA scouts, on NBA fans who, for the most part, kind of follow these things through the headlines. And, you know, his his profile as a prospect has swung about as drastically as as anyone's can in, in the matter of a couple months. Uh, so Oklahoma winning a game or two that that goes without saying that would help him a ton outside of that potential Michigan State Duke showdown in the Sweet 16. Um, I want to see Kentucky and Arizona, and that would be in the round of 32. Yeah. And I think we're going to get that game. I mean, barring Buffalo upsetting Arizona or Davidson upsetting Kentucky, which a lot of people do. I have Davidson, but it's just like a whatever, 12 seed. Like this Kentucky team, I I was joking with you that if I knew Hamadou Diallo was going to play sparingly in this game, I would absolutely pick Kentucky to beat Davidson. But uh, if he gets like 25, 28 minutes, that could really sink the Wildcats ship and, and deny us of that matchup. Uh, I don't think I. I think DeAndre Ayton versus Kentucky would just be awesome because I think he would destroy him, and he'd be going up against NBA caliber 
he, the thing about Kentucky and athleticism, so theoretically that would impress some of the naysayers, right? I mean, Kentucky doesn't have like the one guy who you, you really want to see go up against Aiton. Like, no. like Aiton Bagley in the final would be a lot of fun for obvious oh, reasons, yeah. or Aiton and Jaron Jackson even. But Kentucky has like four different guys who you can throw at him, and like that's what I wouldn't give Kentucky the advantage in that matchup. But if Aiton gets one of your guys into foul trouble, you you're not dipping down to some you know guy who redshirted and isn't ready for this. Like they have at least bodies they can throw at him. Not anybody in particular who can stop him, but you have at least a rotation of guys to throw at him. And there aren't many other teams in the country that have that kind of talent do you, you know, at the four and the five. Do you think so? I, I, I have a feeling there are scouts and front offices that just have Doncic over Aiton, and it's they're, they're not really viewing it as a either or. They, they think it's a clear Doncic is the best player in the, in the draft. Do you think Aiton can do something in this tournament to change the minds of those people? Because to me, if, he get, if he's just getting straight doubles, and still producing throughout a, a, a run, I think depending on how impressive he looks, I could actually see him converting some some Doncich people to, yeah. into thinking that he's the number one prospect in the draft. I can't see if if he plays like he did there. at the end of the Pac-12 tournament, then absolutely. And I almost want to see him just faced with strict double teams by a team like Kentucky or even a team like Virginia if they they face off in the the sweet 16 and just see how he does because to me uh a big man of his size going up against college double teams if you're if you're someone i should be taking over luka Doncic, you're still going to put in work and Mm -hmm. i I really want to see that yeah that's going to be a lot of fun um you know certainly we'll check in this time next week and kind of see which guys are still alive who's impressed us through the opening weekend um but what we wanted to focus this episode on is all NBA predictions. Um, one note before we do that, we need to address this Steph Curry birthday situation. Um, the Warriors, as everybody thought this was pretty cute, they got the day off yesterday because everyone was a little hungover after Steph Curry's birthday. That's fine. It's the NBA. You should be having extravagant birthday parties. My one qualm with this is why was Paramore performing at this thing? I... I... I just don't think he has any of the type of tastes that you and I have. When it, <laughs> yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess no. When it comes or to most <laughs> NBA players yeah, have. Like, I, I don't think, I don't, know, I don't know that I could imagine Zach Randolph booking, you know, My Chemical Romance for his birthday party. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Did um, David West come to this thing? I think once he found out Paramore was there, he probably ditched. I... <sighs> I mean, how often do you think Steph Curry drinks? Um, like one, drinks, drinks? Like once or twice a year? Like when was the last time he had more than, like how often does he have more I than think, like a glass of wine with dinner? I think he drinks at least once per week, uh, probably around 11 a.m. on Sundays, one small little cup of wine. Sure, <laughs> 11 a.m. on Sundays. <laughs> yeah, uh, so we know, we know for sure he does that. Outside of that, probably not a ton. He's, he, he seems like he could kind of be in the wine club, though. I, I think he's I think he's definitely a guy that I mean, I've seen like Instagram pictures of him and his wife, you know, drinking purportedly like, drinking wine. What yeah. looks like expensive wine, the blood or champagne, of Christ, yeah. like on, on, on vacation or whatever. But like, I just think that this was maybe a situation where he hasn't he hasn't gotten drunk in a long time. And this one, maybe he was a little. A little outgunned. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. With that, let's get into the all NBA teams. Uh, You're probably hearing some clicking from me. My, the trackpad on my laptop um, passed away recently. So I'm using like an optical mouse, like a peasant. So please bear with us if you hear some clicking. Uh, Let's start. We'll start with the first teams. This was the first team. I don't think was all that hard. I think there's at least four locks um there's a a couple guys the forwards that you could debate but as we get into the second and third teams uh this was a much more difficult exercise than even i expected it to be uh but i'll I'll let you start give us your full first team all nba okay so i decided that anthony davis can be a center for me and so he's my center on the first team uh i know that he one of the few things i don't really respect about anthony davis is that he refuses to 
be a full-time center in the NBA. Uh, that to me is kind of a, a waste of what could allow a team to build a, a pretty amazing team, but he's always insisted on having a, a bigger man next to him. And which, that, right now that's a Mecca Okafor. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, but I mean, if we're being real, Anthony Davis should be a center in the NBA. So he's, he's my first team center. That's pretty easy. And that allows me to put Giannis Antetokounmpo and LeBron James as my first team forwards. Uh, LeBron James, obviously the defense has really fallen off this year, but he's still like, I would take him over any player in the league going into a postseason series. So I, I think LeBron being on the first team is totally fine, even with the defensive drop off. And then Steph Curry and James Harden for my guard spots. It might you might be able to make an argument for someone over Steph Curry if he doesn't get to like sixty games on the season, which I guess is a possibility at this point. But as of today, I think he's clearly earned that first team nod and we should say we're doing these like as if the teams were being picked today yeah. right i mean it's it's not a we're not going to put forth some extremely rigid criteria but it's you know we're not we're not going to try to project out how many games each guy's going to play so wait who was your other forward after outside of lebron Giannis. Giannis. okay so we have the same first team i think davis like it's not a stretch to me i think davis will be a center on okay. the actual all nba ballot um i, I would if i had to only if i had to take a center other than davis i would have moved lebron to my second team and put okay Giannis. that was what i was gonna ask yeah. so he's the third he's your third if yeah. you were to rank those three okay yes. so i think i think if we're to assume davis is the center you know i like i said i have lebron and Giannis at the forward spots there's definitely an argument that kevin durant could replace either of those guys and if you're going to go with Durant, the argument is efficiency. You know, the Warriors are going to have considerably more wins than both the Cavs and the Bucks, even if the Warriors have been a little bit disappointing overall. Um, but LeBron's on pace to play 82 games. I know we said we're not projecting games, but he hasn't missed a game yet. Durant's missed some time. Um, so to me, it kind of comes down to, you know, like it, again, if you're making the argument for Durant, it's because LeBron's team and Giannis's team haven't been all that good. And to me, those kind of cancel out. Like they've both been equally disappointing. Would you agree with that? Or is, have the Bucks or Cavs been more disappointing, one or the other? Uh, no, I think they're. I mean, I guess the Cavs have been maybe slightly more disappointing, but like mm. they're they're very quickly getting caught up to by the Bucks, who are more disappointing <laughs> by the day. <laughs> no, exactly. Um, yeah, well, and the other thing with Giannis, too, is, like, you can't really knock his defense whatsoever. No. I, I mean, Kevin Durant, I mean, it was kind of absurd, I thought, at the time, but he was getting Defensive Player of the Year buzz earlier this year. His defensive real plus minus is almost as bad as LeBron's right now. So, mm -hmm. I mean, that's not the be-all, end-all, but I don't think people should be bumping, giving Kevin Durant some kind of defensive bump over right. any of the guys we touched on in, in mm -hmm. Team 1. Okay, so now things get interesting. Uh, second team. I'll let you lead this one as well. All right, so probably the easiest call, honestly, on the entire second team is me putting Joel Embiid at center. Uh, I thought that he absolutely should get this. I think he's the defensive player of the year, one of the most dominant players in, in the league. He just doesn't play quite as much as some of the other stars. Uh, I have Kevin Durant at forward. I have Jimmy Butler at forward. To me, he's a small forward. I know that he gets introduced as a shooting guard because of Andrew Wiggins, but I think under most circumstances, you'd view him as a small forward if he's just standing there. I mean, I, I, he just doesn't really have a lot of the traits I associate with being a shooting guard. And then I have Chris Paul and Damian Lillard as my second team guards. Okay. I like it. I don't have either of those guards. I have Russell Westbrook and I have DeMar DeRozan. And I, I'm pretty steadfast on DeRozan. You know, I'm not, you and I kind of joke about DeRozan quite a bit, but I think he, with the Raptors being the, the best team in the Eastern Conference and likely to finish there, I think he's almost a lock to get that second team spot. And he's, for whatever reason, he's got the narrative that he's completely changed what? his game, even though the numbers don't necessarily back that up in, in a lot of ways. Um, but I think the Raptors winning the East, him being the clear best player out of him and Lowry now, like they were always kind of a package deal. And I think he separated himself this year as clearly the better player, which is probably always the case. Um, how can you make it? I just don't know how you make a case that he's had a better year than Chris Paul or Damian Lillard. Like, I know that the whole 
Raptors one seed thing is a thing, but to me, the reason they're the one seed is they have the the most depth and the best second unit in the entire league. Like that, if there was a way True. to reward their second unit, I'd reward their second unit. But like, I don't think this is a team that's been carried by one dominant performance. No, that's fair. I mean, there's a debate. I'm, I'm certainly not like going to tell you that Chris Paul isn't deserving of a second team spot. I mean, in some years, he'd probably be deserving of a first team spot. And Lillard, it goes the same way. I mean, you look at this season compared to when Lillard was a, a second teamer a couple of years ago, he's been inarguably better this year in just about every phase of the game. So I've, I've Lillard on my third team. He's, he's absolutely making second or third. I would not have a problem with him bumping Westbrook down to third. You know, if it's DeRozan, so be it. I just think if I'm choosing between Westbrook or DeRozan, I think right now it has to be DeRozan. Westbrook's numbers, his counting stats are better, but oh, I, his narrative I mean, has gone in the complete opposite direction is in terms of team success and, you know, what his numbers have meant for that team. Yeah. I, I mean, we'll get to it in, the mm-hmm. third team but i so i'm with you on, on Embiid, by the way at okay, center good. i think Embiid's a very clear second team there's no question as to whether he's actually a center and i think that probably helps him in some ways durant and i have butler uh, you have my, those two as i well? do i have okay. butler and durant as my two forwards um third team uh well let's just kind of continue the conversation we were having I don't even have Russell Westbrook on my third team. I have Kyrie, <gasps> Kyrie Irving and DeMar DeRozan as my third team guards. Okay. Uh, just, you know, I, I think of all the guards that I gave a third team or a, an all-NBA spot to, Chris Paul is the only one who's, I would even say, like an above-average defender. So, like, Kyrie Irving, DeMar DeRozan, Damian Lillard, Steph Curry, James Harden, Curry's probably the best of that bunch, but like a lot of those guys are just complete zeros on that end of the court. So I'm not going to hold that against Kyrie Irving and Russell Westbrook is a kind of a zero on that end too. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it kind of, to me comes down to how many quality offensive possessions are you providing? Westbrook takes away more quality offensive possessions than, than any of these guys by far. Uh, Kyrie Irving usually does a pretty smart thing with the ball, DeMar DeRozan. Like one of the things I love about DeRozan is that he kind of knows who he is. Like he's not, he's as bad as Westbrook at shooting threes, but you don't see him just pulling up from three with six seconds into the shot clock. Um, It was really tough for me to decide. I had Kyrie Irving as my fifth guard and it was really tough for me to decide between DeRozan and Victor Oladipo for the last spot. Uh, I think Victor Oladipo honestly might even have a better case than DeRozan from just a pure numbers standpoint, but I gave DeRozan the edge because of mm-hmm. his career, like body of work supports this season much more than Oladipo's does. So I kind of use that as a tiebreaker. And then I had Paul George and LaMarcus Aldridge as my forwards and Carl Anthony Towns as my center. Okay. So you went Towns, George, Aldridge, Russ. No. DeRozan Irving. DeRozan Irving. Okay. Yeah. So you left Russ off completely. Yeah. Okay. That sounds crazy, but somebody's got to get left off. Um, I, so your, your second team guards, Chris Paul and Damian Lillard, are my third teamers. Um, in my heart of hearts, I want to see Lillard get that second team spot. We'll see. I mean, if, if he finishes out the year the way that, that he's been playing for the last so couple you, of months and Portland's a third seed, he'll have a pretty good shot. You left Kyrie off. Completely. I left Kyrie off. And I initially, as we started doing this, I just went off the top of my head, started writing guys down. I had Kyrie on second team Uh and it quickly, quickly realized that that was, uh, that was not going to be the case. Then I put him on third team and then I realized that I forgot Chris Paul. So I, if you're ranking the guards in the order I had them, it'd be Harden one, Curry two, DeRozan three, Westbrook four, Lillard five, CP six. Let's see. Okay. So yeah, I had. To me, Chris Paul was the the easy number three guy, and I had a really tough time deciding between Lillard and Irving for the four spot. Uh, so yeah, we're we're not really in lockstep on this, but it's 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 fine. I mean, the the guard spot is so much deeper than the other spots to me. I mean, I guess center's kind of deep because there's only three spots, but. Uh, forward, it was not very fun choosing the fifth guy. Uh, I kind of think of LaMarcus Aldridge as a center, so I don't. I didn't really mm-hmm. want to put him there. The only other, you know, I, I almost wish that I could have put Oladipo as a guard and like 
cheated and put DeRozan as a forward. Yeah, but, I, Oladipo uh, does deserve to be on here. I, it, there's just not enough spots, yeah. and it's the same reason that Lillard hasn't been on it the last couple of years. I mean, you know? I- unless you want to say that. Uh, I mean, if, if you were considering Ben <laughs> Ben Simmons, would he have been a guard? I think he has to be. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So. In that case, the only other forward I could come up with a case for other than Aldridge was Otto Porter. And he's like a he's like a, a luxury yeah. role player. He just doesn't do anything poorly. He's You're saying like would have a case to make one of these teams if one of these guys I, wasn't a, I'm my a seventh forward would have been Otto Porter. I don't so know you, who the other forward candidate is. Are you are. counting Jokic and Horford as centers? Yeah. Gobert's obviously a center, yeah. Drummond's a center. I mean, I think it's obvious that Boogie was on track to yeah. make one of these. We'll get into that. I haven't even given my full, <clears throat> excuse me, my full third team sure. yet. Okay. Um, so I have Towns at center. Yep. I think, weirdly enough, the centers, which have been the biggest point of contention probably, due in large part to just the lack of clarity in terms of who's actually a center mm-hmm. when it comes to these things. But the centers, to me, are pretty clear. And if things play out over the next month as they have, I think it'll be Davis, Embiid, Towns in that order, and there really isn't too much of a debate. I, you could go Gobert. I'm not as sold as you are that Davis is going to count as a center. <laughs> I think that Davis, uh, especially considering he was playing forward the entire time Cousins was healthy, like I, I think that he might get listed as a forward, and then that's <laughs> going to move Joel Embiid up to first team. Uh, possibly Carl Anthony Towns up to second team. Like Rudy Gobert, for me, would be ahead of Towns if he had played as many games as Towns. But Towns yeah. has I, – I think it's close enough that I'll give Towns the edge just for games played. I mm-hmm. uh, Gobert's just missed too much time. Right. I mean, he he's probably missed too much time to even win Defensive Player of the Year. So uh, I agree. Well, and the fact that Gobert – honestly has a pretty good shot to still win defensive player of the year, even though he's going to miss like close to 40 games probably when it's all said and done, um, or maybe mm-hmm. close to 30 games. I mean, he's had two separate mm-hmm. like big time absences and that's, that's just usually a killer for stuff like this. Uh, for what it's worth, Anthony Davis was a first team, all NBA forward in 2014, 15. And he was a first team, all NBA center last season. So I, I guess the more recent sample would say that he'll probably just be penciled I in at that center spot. If you're, I mean, who, who decides this? Does the voting just by the votes decide? I honestly don't know. Because it, I think most people would want to do what you and I did, where we, instead of having to choose between Giannis LeBron and Anthony Davis for two spots, it's just a lot easier to just say, all right, these are the three guys for first team. Because it just doesn't look right putting any of those three on the second team. Uh, mm-hmm. Giannis and Anthony Davis because right. of how good they've been and LeBron just because of his body of work and the fact that we all know he's going to be the best player in the postseason. Mm-hmm. And so it just seems silly to put him right. on the second team. Yeah, it's, it's much more convenient if Davis yeah. is a center. Things just work out better that way. So I have Towns at center. I have LaMarcus Aldridge at one forward. You know, as bland as Aldridge is, like I feel like that's almost a lock. Unless if San Antonio misses the playoffs, maybe that one gets a little iffy, but I, I think he makes it. And like you said, there's not, it's not like there's this great line no. of forwards right behind him. My other forward uh, is Draymond Green. So you'd went, you took both those guys over Paul George. Right. And that Paul George was my next guy. First, he's the first guy out overall. I think him and Kyrie just, are the, the next two. Draymond, to me, it's like he's doing the, the normal stuff he does in assists and like a lot of the counting sets are there, but he's almost down to like 11 points a game. He's shooting mm-hmm. less than 30% from three. It's just not a great, it's just not, not a great year for him in that regard. I'm, I was fine going in a different direction. Like Paul George to me is having about as good a year as he could have in this awful situation where right. he has to play next to Westbrook and Carmelo. And I feel like they just kind of, I would hate playing next to those guys and he's, kind of been a a good a good sport about it (laughs) no i think so too like i mean this this thunder team and we've talked about this a couple times like considering how much of an overall disappointment this season has been like there really hasn't been any of the sideshow stuff that would typically accompany a team with three future hall of famers Mm -hmm. struggling to stay in the playoff race um so I, i think part of it is you're playing in you know oklahoma and not new york and not la 
Uh, but still, I, th- I think with the exception of a couple offhand comments by Mello every now and then, like they've handled it about as well as they could. Um, all right, so Towns, Draymond, Aldridge, and I have Chris Paul and Damian Lillard, like I said, to, to round out my third team. So the toughest guys for me to leave off, uh, we mentioned Oladipo. He was probably the, mm-hmm. the toughest period. Uh, ben Simmons and Bradley Beal are two guys who I... I think a lot of years would fit fine on that third team, uh, but it's just hard to. Make I'm I'm with you personally, but I don't think there's going to be an upswell of no, Ben Simmons no. should have been a third. These were just the hardest guys for me. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, like Otto Porter was easy to leave off, but he would have been my next forward. Right. And then like Jokic and Al Horford to me are mm-hmm. having deserving years. They're just behind some of these yep. other guys. Yeah, Jokic to me would would be more of a rival to Towns, but Denver, even though I know like record wise they're not that far behind Minnesota, you know, it just it doesn't really quite have the same feel. Um, other guys I left off, like you said, Oladipo, Brandon Jennings, who's currently leading the NBA in assists per game, <laughs> Kyle Lowry, more so because the Raptors are in first and he's having another pretty good year, Kyrie. Paul George, Andre Drummond, who probably would have been a third or second team or even maybe a couple months ago. That's no longer in the cards. Not on, not on any of my teams. Nope. We didn't even mention <laughs> we haven't even mentioned Blake Griffin, and that probably stands no, to to reason for legitimate. Yeah, what's going on there? Rudy Gobert, Horford, um, Brad Beal. And then you get into guys like Clay, we haven't talked about at all. He's always kind of been on yeah. that that second, more so third team line and we should actually mention as of this morning, there's a chance he might miss a couple of weeks yeah. with a, with an issue with his right thumb. So either way, I don't think he's going to make it, but this probably is the final nail on that coffin. Um, Devin Booker numbers are there, but you can't put a guy on like a 22 win team. Well, uh, some of the NBA. numbers are there. The scoring uh, number, the points the, per game is there. There's no, I mean, there's no advanced stat argument for him and there's no, team success Mm -hmm. argument for him there's just if you want to just look at points rebounds and assists (laughs) and like that type of stuff then sure but yeah um so where would demarcus Cousins? let's say demarcus cousins doesn't get hurt and the pelicans make the seven or eight seed as they were kind of on track to do his numbers look about the same is there a chance they slide him down to forward at all had he played well enough that you knock towns off and maybe Embiid goes to third team i mean cousins numbers were with the exception of the high usage and the high number of turnovers, like counting stats wise, he was going to blow those guys out of the water, which is saying a lot because Townsend and Embiid have both yeah. been really good. I think it makes it a lot harder to argue that Davis should qualify at center. Cause mm-hmm. like if you had to pick between those two and one's, a, you can't put two guys from the same team as two of the three centers. Right. Uh, and I think you would have to put cousins at center mm-hmm. Davis at forward which would have moved LeBron to my second team. Oh, don't even say that. And and beat up to first team center. And then I would have probably had Cousins mm-hmm. as second team center and Davis as a sec or Davis as a first team forward. And then that move that would have moved. Uh, actually, that wouldn't have cost Carl Anthony Towns a spot because I would have just been shifting down all right. the forwards, and then that would have bumped the Marcus Aldridge off of my. Yep, thing. and that for me would have been either Aldridge or Draymond, which to me is kind of a toss-up. I mean, they both have their, their pluses and minuses. Um, so guys that were on, on the team last year who will not be repeating. DeAndre Jordan was the third-team center last year. He's been about the same guy. But, but has zero chance. Right, he has no chance. Uh, Gobert, like we mentioned, we both have him off. Uh, John Wall was a third team guard. Clearly, he's out of it. Isaiah was a second hey, team guard. Yeah, he was, he's close. Isaiah, yeah. Well, I mean, if he closes strong, you never know. Yeah, too, that's why we're saying just as of today, he's not on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, a lot can change. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Russell Westbrook was first team guard last year. Russell Westbrook, again, did not start the All-Star game this year. He did not start the All-Star game last year. Uh, but he's been a first team All-NBA player each of the last two years. And now you don't even have him on your list at all. No, I think that Kyrie Irving's meant more to the Celtics winning than Russell Westbrook has to the Thunder, and I think DeMar DeRozan's meant more to the Raptors winning than Russell Westbrook has for the Thunder. If if Russell Westbrook and DeMar DeRozan were playing one-on-one, I think I would take Westbrook, but Mm -hmm. that's not how this works. He's just – he still makes way too many – 
bad decisions on offense, he still makes it really, really tough for you to build a quality offensive system around him. He's not a he's not the worst of all these guards in terms of defense, but he's middle of the pack at best. And I mean, just the his efficiency as a shooter, it's mm-hmm. just all pretty bad. So we talked about how tough it's been to sort through the top like four or five forwards, even though the forward position isn't quite as deep. Part of the reason for that is a guy who's been a first teamer each of the last two years has played like 10 games, if that, and that's Kawhi Leonard. So, you know, it's tough to project what he would have done if he was healthy, but the last couple of years demonstrate that he would have been right in that mix. So like as tough as it is to pick between LeBron, Giannis, Durant, and Davis, if he were a forward imagine having to add Kawhi to that discussion. So like, I mean, in some ways we're almost, or not, not we are, the voters, the, those who actually vote on this are, are blessed by not having to make that call. But you'd, you'd be having two, arguably two generational lock future Hall of Famer, top 20 all-time caliber players on the second team if Kawhi were healthy. Well, at least two, because, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would have... Well, yeah. I'm saying yeah. two okay. of two yeah. of yeah. LeBron, Durant, Kawhi, and Giannis would have to be on the second team, right? And and if Davis is a forward, one of those guys is on the third team, right? So, yeah, I mean that that would be insane. Like, if, right. yeah, if Davis was not a center and Kawhi was healthy, one of those five would have to be on mm-hmm. the third team. That would Crazy. Just be so insane. Um, is it is it fair to look at the All NBA teams of the last couple of years and certainly this year and compare them to? like the end of the 2010s when you're looking at third teamers and you got like Tony Parker, Chauncey Billups, <laughs> Paul Pierce, yeah, Joe Johnson, gross. Brandon Roy, who we love. Carlos Boozer was a third teamer. Brandon Roy Brand probably was a underrated teamer. like now relative to then. Sure. Like if, if Brandon Roy had come up in this era, I think he'd be more mm-hmm. appreciated. But all those other guys you listed, it's just like, I wow. think I think the guys like Tony Parker who have made these teams in the past that and Billups, I think, is in that same category. Ginobili was a third teamer at least once. Um, I think the guys who have gotten on because they were on the second mm-hmm. or first best team in their conference wouldn't even have a chance anymore. Mm-hmm. Like you, there's too many players now that are putting up the the caliber of numbers that would just demand to be on those teams like you you couldn't get away with putting you know 2008 tony parker on an all nba team over damian lillard who's averaging 27 and 8 you know like there's just too many guys with those kind of numbers now and i I think you know whereas like the top 10 players in the league had those kind of numbers you know 10 years ago now we go 15 or 20 deep with that caliber of player right and i mean this is there's plenty of guys missing time that aren't really even being right. Considered. That's helped a ton. Yeah, uh, I, mean, I mean, like I, I don't think. Vegas? Yeah, I, I don't think Tony Parker was ever as good as like the best version of Mike Conley we've seen, and he's never he's never made, made one. one of these. So, no, no, it's uh, it, there's kind of been a shift, I think, in how these awards have to be handled. Um, we have Let's, to tell you about. Well, or, before we do that, sure. hold that thought. I have to tell you about Draft Daily, the future of fantasy sports. You're going to want to listen to this. Uh, it's crypto, it's currency, it's sports. DraftDaily.com is the new standard in the fantasy sports industry with almost non-existent fees, 100% trackable transactions, and 0% risk of chargebacks. DraftDaily is taking the industry by storm and making the game that we all love both safer and cheaper to play. On DraftDaily, users can play without worry and without fees digging into profits. What better way to do all this than to merge cryptocurrency with fantasy sports? That's exactly what DraftDaily does. Play on DraftDaily.com today, where players in the game they love are the focus. DraftDaily.com. So, I'm looking at the Western Conference playoff, uh, projected playoff seedings, and... I'm really starting to get a little excited about the possibility of a either Spurs Rockets first round matchup or Spurs Warriors first round matchup. Not necessarily I don't think the Spurs can beat either of those teams, but I've just we've never really seen and you know Kawhi Leonard <clears throat> is hopeful he's going to uh 
get back before the end of the season, if if he can just get back to you know eighty five percent of himself, we've never seen a Greg Popovich coach team in kind of recent memory dealt with that type of seed before and where they're kind of getting a chance to play mm-hmm. Cinderella. And I just, I think that would be fascinating. I'm really rooting for it. I don't, I think I'd ra- I'd rather have the, cl- the Spurs make the playoffs, even if Kawhi Leonard isn't healthy than like a team like the Jazz or the Clippers, just because I just don't really care. Come on, come on. I would, ra- I would rather them make it over the Clippers because they're just not a compelling team. Fun, you know, fun little story, but <laughs> fun little, fun little to story. me, no, um, that's, they're just not as fun to watch as those other teams. I'd like to see Denver get in just for the fun quotient. Well, Donovan Mitchell in a first round series would be fun. How fun? How fun would it really be though? Like seeing Denver get they would get by twenty five every night for four games. <laughs> Look, I mean, I'm not saying that that's not exactly what would happen, but it would be more fun to watch than the Clippers getting annihilated. Do you see that? Do you see that pass Jokic had in garbage time last night? That's basically <laughs> the. That's what Nuggets like watching a Nuggets game or being on Twitter during a Nuggets game is. Where it's like, well, you know, Jokic has only taken eight shots. They're they're down fifteen, but how many other centers can make this pass? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't have best, the answers. Best man. passer ever. <laughs> um, wasn't there a year recently where the Spurs dropped down to like the six or seven seed? By the way, I know that wasn't exactly like a Cinderella situation, but I want to say a couple of years ago they like they lost a game on like the last day of the season that that dropped them from like two to six or three to seven or something like that i can't find exactly uh, what year that would yeah they finish wait no never mind that's not correct i know they've they have won 50 plus games in Mm -hmm. each of the past a lot of years 18 years something like that since it's since like 1998 Mm -hmm. or 99 so i think it's it's got to be pretty rare for a 50 win team right get a top four or five seed but you are correct um but i know i know it did happen at some point i think yeah so it was in 2014 15 it was the year that the pelicans ended up getting the eight and the spurs ended up tied with memphis and i believe memphis had the tiebreaker oh, that, so san antonio that wonky year where right uh, it was a super wonky the year warriors like won 48 games and missed the playoffs or something like that no the year that was the year the warriors won the title oh, the wait. first year when when they snuck past Delhi and Shumpert. Where were the Pelicans that year? The Pelicans got the eight that oh, okay. year. They okay. needed to win on the final day of the season to get in. Okay. And that I, was I that was my... a series when all this talk that we still hear today started about like, well, Pelicans gave gave Golden State a little trouble in that series. I got my wonky years confused. Right. It it was right in the midst of several wonky years. Um I don't I still don't feel all that compelled about the Spurs team. I love the Spurs. I know like on the Ringer pod yesterday <laughs> they were talking about how like you know, you if you're Houston or Golden State, the last thing you want to see is San Antonio there. And it's like, I get that. Like, you'd rather play the Clippers or the Jazz or the Nuggets than San Antonio. But I, I also am not deathly afraid of this version well, of the Spurs. Th- like, everyone knows about my love of DeJounte Murray. But uh, Kyle Anderson and Davis Bertans are also in my my guys group. So they have three my guys on the same team. I mean, that's got to be more my guys than any other team in the league has so mm-hmm. i'm i'm very much in the bag for the spurs role players i i love those guys i actually spent like a good 15 to 20 minutes the other day watching kyle anderson uh highlight tape so that's that's where i'm oh, at that's where I'm at. <laughs> i was watching uh gilgis alexander film last night kentucky point guard he's got a little kyle anderson in him sure a little more athletic and a few inches shorter, but he's got that same plotting, weaving around yeah. screens, yet always in control kind of game to Kyle, him. Kyle Anderson has got to be the best, uh, the best like one-on-one driver for someone with his amount of foot speed that like I've ever seen. He he has this knack to just kind of put his head down, slowly get close to the hoop. Mm-hmm. And then, like, use an array of like pivots and shot fakes to just get an easy floater. It's just, it's really remarkable stuff. I, he hasn't changed his game at all either. Like, yeah. he has, he, it was almost kind of a joke when he came into the league. I mean, the slow mo nickname, you know, implies that, but yeah. he's been successful doing exactly what he's been doing since he was in high school. And, and he's a really, he's a really good defender, capable mm-hmm. of guarding multiple spots, really solid wingspan. He's got a, a real thick base you know i mean he's not, a great that, base that's a 
that's something he does not share with Shia Gilgis Alexander. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have different bases. You're right. Gilgis uh, Alexander does not have an NBA base. No. I, I think Kyle Anderson's probably like a 36 waist, 37, right. 38 waist. Shia Gilgis Alexander probably could still shop at like Gap Kids if he wasn't six foot seven. Okay. Gap Kids. That was an unwarranted shot at. <laughs> you know somewhere that i've shopped recently <laughs> uh let's talk a little bit more i, w- I want to talk prospects um and we'll we'll cut this thing off around 50 minutes but um we talked about michael porter we hit on ayton um you and i've kind of gone ba- kind of gone back and forth on bagley i i'm of the belief that he's going to be a very good nba player i am not of the belief that if i was picking second or third i would take him thinking to myself we have our franchise guy like this will be our number one guy I think Bagley could be a really, really good number two or number three guy, but I don't see him in two years being in the same tier as like Davis or Towns. And, that, and that's what I wrote, you know, in my write up on him on the site was two months ago, the general perception of Bagley was like, you know, he's kind of, he could be a, a unicorn at the next level. And I think he's fallen out, you know, if you're projecting these guys going forward, he's fallen out of that Davis and Bede, Towns, guys who were really for as much as prospects can be like no doubters at the NBA level. I don't think Bagley is by any means a no doubter. Do you know how many off the top of your head? Like I, I know, uh, but do you know how many blocks per game Marvin Bagley's averaging? I would guess like a little over two. He's averaging one block per game. Yeah. One. How? In, in my research for <laughs> writing this, I, I noted that Wendell Carter has more than double the amount of blocks as Marvin Bagley this year. I it's so confusing. I don't get it at all. How could he only be averaging one block per game? It just it, that's that's part of what just scares me to death with with taking him in the top two or three is there's no reason to expect him to be a rim protector at the next level. And I don't know, like what's he going to shoot from three? Like I guess. If he can, if he can turn himself into like a thirty-six percent three-point shooter at the next level, then I think he could. He has a chance to make good on on taking him third or fourth. But if he if he's only like a thirty-two, if he's like right. one of those stretch bigs who's like kind of a stretch big, but not really. Like you're kind of okay right. with him shooting. Like then he looks like he would be a better shooter than, than the numbers belie, you know? And the same goes for Bamba. Like, Bamba's stroke for a guy with arms like that and height like that looks incredible, and he's shooting, like, 28%. Well, Bagley's shooting, Bagley's shooting 37%, but he's only attempted 54 threes. Right. And I'm guessing they've all just been ridiculously wide well, they're catch Yeah, they're catching yeah. shoot threes. Yeah. Like, that's like, what, you know, his body is, is similar to Durant's, I guess, but, like, when have you seen Marvin Bagley break down someone off the dribble oh. and, pull, and hit a pull-up <laughs> no, no, three? Like, no, that's no, no. not even in, in the no. realm of not that, not that that even should be like right, a, right. you shouldn't be like judging anyone like that against no Kenny exactly that but like it's just i don't think you can look at his 37 percent right. three-point shooting and say oh well he'll be you know 35 percent mm. as an nba player like there's just there's a big difference there uh i just i really can't get over the and i i'm even kind of upset at him for only averaging 0.9 steals per game like frankly i'm pissed like he he has all the all the tools you could ask right. for for a guy that like look at his just like hustle defense stats versus Jaron Jackson's. It's like it's not mm-hmm. even close. And Jaron Jackson's uh, a guy that's not getting a ton of run relative to, right. to Bagley. Like they're they're only giving Jackson twenty two minutes a game, and he's averaging three point two blocks yeah. per game and almost a steal. Like it's I I don't know. I think that there's it's funny too because now that the tournaments here you're getting a lot of like college basketball analysts kind of planting their flag on like people are sleeping on Bagley like you know I, I still like him like as the number one guy and it's I love how like college basketball writers are just they're I think they're it's it's illegal for them to even suggest that a foreign player could go number one overall like they're, they're right. just not allowed to mm-hmm. ever mention any any foreign players as potential number one overall picks it has to be someone that played college basketball right see seeing Doncic down at like seven or eight on mock drafts is you know, we're not going to call anybody out but that's <laughs> that's absurd like he's going in the top three whether you like it or not uh Jaron Jackson to me I don't I don't think he's going to be Towns but he's the type of guy that I think when you get him to the NBA level, he's going to surprise people. Cause like you look at towns numbers at Kentucky, 
they didn't scream, you know, future 25 and 12 guy in the NBA. He was playing this weird kind mm-hmm. of traditional center role and limited minutes. They were platooning he, that year. He's he's definitely in that like Westbrook, Booker, Towns, like where people are scared to really commit to saying yeah. this guy's a top three, top five prospect mm-hmm. in the class. And then halfway, like halfway into his rookie season, everyone's going right. to be like, yep, yep. Like I, I think he's a better prospect now than like a guy like Jonathan Isaac was yes. last year. And I think they're, but it's like that same, you're, you're basically hoping for the same sort of thing where, where you're taking a guy with a ton of defensive upside, a ton mm-hmm. of versatility on that side of the ball who can stretch the court. Right. What I wrote on Jackson is I, I don't think he's going to be an immediate, like really good rookie, but I think his draft position, which could ultimately be anywhere from two to five, two to six is going to reflect the fact that I think teams could see him being the best big man in this class in four years. Yeah. I really want, well, wh- so where do you think his natural position is? I think, I think naturally he's probably a stretch five, the way that the NBA is going. Okay. I, I mean, he could be a four. It doesn't really yeah, matter. To I me. guess it doesn't really matter. Uh, so my favorite thing that I'm really rooting for on draft night is when Jackson goes ahead of Bagley and then there's just a tweet storm of mm-hmm. from all the Bagley supporters of like, how are you taking guy the guy like only played twenty minutes a game at, at like right. Michigan State? Like and it's like, oh yeah. Yeah, I mean Bagley is the type of guy and, and we've talked about this with other prospects too. He's the type of guy that ten years ago would have been the no brainer number one pick. He was the number one recruit. He well, was a good college player. He he was on TV a lot. All right, let's take him. I don't you know. Aiton Aiton's kind of a timeless prospect sure. where he would have Well, yeah. The, those two guys it would have been just yeah. those two guys and then well, a just gigantic drop off in the minds of most people to the next guy right and then you know i think the thing with bagley is there's this there's this impression that his stock has dropped which technically it has but i don't it's nothing that he's done it's that other guys have just elevated above him like ayton has turned it on more people are becoming more aware of jaron jackson um well you know, i think i mo think Bamba's mo Bamba. yeah i think people you can point to bagley's lack of blocks now with the sample size we have and say this is a legitimate issue like this is a legitimate red flag that while he has the size and athletic ability to be a rim protector there's really no reason to think that that's what he's going to bring to the table in the nba whereas right uh, the more like ayton the more tape you get on ayton the better he looks and the more data you get on jackson the better he looks Bamba is just kind of everyone knows what he is and the tape on Bamba hasn't been like all that good but he's every now and then like I, I went back to his game the big 12 opener against Kansas he had like 26 12 and 8 blocks and there's just like as good as Aiden is there's just no one else in the draft who can protect the rim no you know Bamba has questions about his motor things like that which are big big question marks in the NBA but to have that reach that height and you know he's skinny but he has the frame to add muscle like the the potential is i don't know if there's ever been more potential from a defensive player in the history of the draft i know that sounds like a a big statement but like we've never seen anybody with the measurables that bomba has and the fluidity as an athlete out of bomba bagley porter and sexton pick who who do you think is most likely to bust and who do you think is least likely to bust of those four most likely, I would say Bagley, including in, including Porter and Sexton. Yeah, okay. I, I heard all the right. list. All right, all right. <laughs> least likely, who is the who is the fourth? Sexton. Well, it's Bagley, Sexton, Porter, Bamba. Bamba. Uh, Bamba could bust too, I guess. I I just think like Bamba's floor is a really good defensive center right. who plays twenty minutes. <laughs> like I couldn't see him like being out of the league in four years, no. and and I couldn't see any of these guys really being out of the league. I guess, I guess of those four, man, I. I like Michael Porter a lot. I know we've only seen him for 27 minutes, mm-hmm. but I think to me, I, I saw a Harrison Barnes comp with him, and it's like, that's to me, that's very easy to see him becoming Harrison Barnes. Could he be better? Sure. Could he be worse? You know, sure. Mm-hmm. But I think Harrison Barnes is like a really safe comp for a guy like that, and that's a pretty good player. That's a you know near-max player for some teams. Um, last thing, I know you mentioned, you said Aiton, you know, is a, a generational type of talent, which he clearly is. I think his stock would be even higher 10 or 20 years ago, right? <laughs> yeah, like it wouldn't I, be a debate. There wouldn't be some right. six, eight 
no, uh, Slovenian I, kid maybe challenging him. I think there would be. I think people like I don't really see Aiton as a much different caliber of prospect as like a guy like Shaq, like from no. like. I mean, it, it's just okay. Think about this. Here's Greg Oden's numbers. You know, Greg Oden, the best modern center prospect mm-hmm. in recent I mean, memory. 15.7 points per game, nine and a half rebounds, less than one assist, 62% from the line. What was his blocks? Uh, this does not include blocks per game, but if I'm doing the math in my head, it would be right around just over three per game. Yeah, I, I mean, he was such a seen as such a generational center prospect that he went ahead of Kevin Durant, right. who like nobody really had any questions about. No, and, and I, don't, I don't think Odin goes ahead of Durant today, mm-hmm. but like it, you know, I think. Aiton's a better prospect to me than mm-hmm. than Odin was. And no, I don't think it's close. That's the point I'm trying to make. Yeah. It's like if you want to if you want to argue the numbers, it's the, not close. The at all. only argument against Aiton is just some sort of lazy, like teams don't play that way anymore. Like, well, I think there's a questions about like his defensive awareness. Sure, but I just with that frame, like you can only be so bad as a player. <clears throat> I j- yeah, I I think that he, I mean, a guy like. I mean, DeMarcus Cousins, before he started shooting threes, was still a dominant, like, unstoppable mm-hmm. force. And Aiton doesn't have any of the makeup issues. Uh, he's already stretching the floor. Uh, or does he you, Does he have makeup issues? I don't know. I don't think so. I think some people, not to the level that Cousins did, especially uh-huh. back then. Um, but I, I think Aiton has probably had, like, 10 games this year that were better than any game Cousins had at Kentucky. And granted, Cousins was in right. a different situation playing with Wall and mm-hmm. and uh, Patterson and Bledsoe and all those guys. But I, I just think production-wise, we haven't really seen anything like Aiton. I was watching last night on, on the SEC Network a documentary on the, the Florida Gators teams from 06 and 07, which was really, really good, by yeah. the way. It was much better than I thought it would be. And I totally forgot that after that first title run, so after the 06 season, Joe Kim Noah was like the number one pick because that was the summer that the NBA imposed a one and done rule. So Odin and Durant were going to be one and two, and then they made they were you know going to declare in 06, but they had to wait until 07 because they at that point had to go to college, which meant that Joe Kim Noah was the shoe in number one pick. And I remember hearing that on this documentary and thinking like, really? But I looked it up and like articles from that time, like he was the guy. So if he had left and like not. If he had left after the to, first title, the P, yeah. he would have been the number one pick. And he averaged that year 14 points, seven rebounds, and two assists. <laughs> which, are, which is like half of what he Well, I mean, think about, like, think about some of like the number one picks at center in like weak years, though. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's a lot of bad ones. Uh, Shout out to Kwame Brown. <laughs> I, if you had to pick one ideal matchup that's possible in the bracket, mm. would it be... Duke Arizona in the title game, just to get that one on one. Just to get Bagley Aiton, yeah, yeah. Or is there is there? I just want one of those. I want one of the big time guys in in the final, or at least into the final four. It's probably a lot to ask. One of the funnest, one of the funnest possible storylines is that Colin Sexton somehow takes Bama to the final four or something like that, and which would mean beating Villanova, and and he would just for that to happen, there would be probably no less than like 15 just amazing Colin right. Sexton sequences exactly you would get to just watch over and over that's and the thing too it's like if, if Oklahoma makes it to the final four that also means that yeah. Trey Young has like three 50 point games along this the is way. this is a more loaded field in terms of like potential lottery picks yeah. with a chance to go far than we've had in recent memory no, that's what I said like you have to go all the way down into the early 20s of most mock drafts to find guys who aren't in this well and, and yeah and like if you just think about the most recent drafts a good handful like if not at least half of the lottery were guys that just well i mean look at the look at the recent number one picks i mean markel fultz was nowhere near ben simmons was nowhere near the tournament um i mean i'm looking at last year like tatum was in jackson was in fox was in isaac was in markinen was in dennis smith wasn't in um yeah i don't know i guess for the most part maybe we're exaggerating but it does seem like there are more of the high level guys, and then it's not like they're just in; they're on. Like, they're on like good teams. Well, that, that's that's kind of what I mean. It's like it's they're in; they're on good teams, and they're the absolute driving engines of those teams. Yes. Like they're not just kind of along for the ride mm-hmm. or on like a bunch of like six seeds or whatever. Yep. Like it's it's possible that we have like a sweet sixteen mm-hmm. with like 
seven lottery picks right. still so playing. Almost likely, I would yeah, say, yeah. just based on the math. Um, so yeah, read my article on the site um, about guys to watch in this tournament. Among a couple names that we didn't mention in depth, Gary Trent from Duke, who is like a projected lottery pick to begin the year, has kind of slightly fallen, uh, or not slightly, gradually fallen, I should say, throughout the year. He's a guy that could now kind of go either way. Um, Robert Williams at A&M, still hanging on. Landry Shamit at Wichita State. Obviously, the two guys in Arizona, Trier and uh, Raleigh Alkins, who are both a lot of fun to watch. And then uh, Keita Bates-Giap, who is probably the best senior in the draft. Yeah. Off the top of my head, I don't, maybe the only senior that will go in the first round. Yeah, I guess it sort of depends where a guy like Grayson Allen goes. Right, yeah. It's a two-man race between Grayson <laughs> Allen and Keita Bates-Giap. Hopefully, hopefully neither of them go in the fifth.